It's Bexy's musical podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Baxi's Musical Podcast. Describing the music of today's guest is like trying to describe the color blue. I can list off a bunch of things that happen to be blue, but I can't tell you why they happen to be blue. Nor can I tell you what blue looks like without showing you, which is kind of a problem because describing it to someone who's never seen it is almost impossible and not so unlike the music of Robin Hitchcock. I can tell you that I love Robin Hitchcock's music. But I'm not sure my ability to describe it to you will even make sense or even do it justice. You almost have to hear it for yourself. On one hand, the music is surreal and psychedelic and consumed with a broad list of very obvious influences like the Beatles and Bob Dylan and Sid Barrett, Roxy Music and Captain Beefheart. And within all that, he's been able to create music that is completely and uniquely his own, where he's able to transcend those influences to sound like nobody else. How can you have it both ways? I don't know, but I think that's the mark of a real artist. And Robin Hitchcock is a man with a tremendous gift of readily available creativity, stitching wonderful melodies with some of the most clever and unusual lyrics ever. Like the best of Dylan or Frank Zappa, his words provoke, perplex, and entertain in a way that sounds like neither of those guys. And with more than 21 solo albums to his credit, there are plenty of examples of his greatness. Robin Hitchcock is a master, and he just keeps going. Whether it's from his early work in the late 70s with the Soft Boys or with Robin Hitchcock and the Egyptians or his side project, The Venus 3, with Peter Buck from R.E.M., or whether it was his 2019 collaboration with XTC's Andy Partridge, Planet England, we're talking about a guy who is both insanely and uniquely talented who has inspired nearly two generations of songwriters throughout his 40-year career. Robin Hitchcock not only tours incessantly, he's also been the subject of two documentary films. He acts, he paints, he collaborates, and still has time to write some of the most engaging and entertaining songs of his career, including his highly anticipated upcoming album on Tiny Ghost Records called Shuffle Mania, which is due out on October 21st. The first two singles, both Shuffle Man and The Raging Muse, are rich, inventive, and vintage Robin Hitchcock. And Robin is going to try to talk about as much of that stuff as we can squeeze into a half hour. This is my conversation with the legendary Robin Hitchcock on Baxi's Musical Podcast. Hey, Robin. How are you? Oh, I'm still here. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing fine. It's good to, good to see you. I, I, we have a, a friend of mine, a guy I've known for, for quite a while lives in Northampton, Massachusetts. And uh, he recently posted pictures last summer of you having lunch with Lloyd Cole, who I just found out like two years ago lives in this area. And uh, you guys were up in Northampton, Massachusetts. And had I known, I would have been happy to pay for lunch for you guys. And your friend is probably Jim Neal. Jim Neal. Right? Yeah, I've known Jim for quite a while. Yeah, me too. I, he was... Um... He, uh, well, he's from that area. He went away and he came back. So yeah. We're not doing a video. No. Not Wonderful. That's terrific. <laughs> okay. I, I, I find that most people are happy that it's not going to be a video podcast. I think once you're over 40, <laughs> <laughs> more over the, num you know, the, the higher the number, whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah. 
tell you, I, I don't know why you keep doing this to me, but uh, I cannot get Shuffle Man out of my head. And it's one of those earworms that uh, you know, the, the Robin Hitchcock catalog can, tends to keep you know, feeding me and has since uh, Underwater Moonlight. I, I love the new song. I think it's fantastic. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, glad, uh, I'm, I'm glad it's... It's landed on you, if you like. It's, uh, have you heard the, the rest of the album or, or just the single? I've just heard the single and um, the uh, the Raging Muse are the only two songs that I've heard so far, and they're both oh, okay. they're both great. So tell oh, thank you very much. Yeah. So tell me about that. I mean, you you have the ability to to write these these pop songs that that do resonate. I mean, it, it took me two years to get the 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 Yip song out of my out of my head. When you're oh, yeah. when you're writing music, does that sense of of melody come easy to you, or is it is it like a long hard process to get a song out? No, I think if there's a melody, it's actually there, pretty much from the get go. Actually, Mike, mm. I think I think the song cracks its way out of the egg with the melody, even if I happen to have written the lyrics first. And very often I'll go through my lyric book and, and just seeing what I've written down, you know, but, but then also very often I'll, the song will appear and I'll have the, the, the book in front of me. So, uh, so I write down the words as they come through, like taking dictation, you know, what was that? <laughs> but then I can, but I'll change it. I, I've learned after, after about 40 years of songwriting or so, I learned, I realized I should write in pencil because then I can, I can just, it's, it saves crossing out. You just erase it, you know? So, um, the shuffle man, I don't think I changed many words. I think it's very much as I wrote it, but honestly, I can't claim much credit. You know, they just, they appear. <laughs> um, and I suppose, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a very, I'm very bad at making decisions. So, so it's all on instinct, really. You know, this this is working, this isn't. So you quite quickly chop bits out. You know, and occasionally you'll chop out a good line. Right. Um, you know, and, and you often find, you know, someone like Bob Dylan, who is the sort of root of all trees, really, and the father of everything. You know, there's there's <laughs> people find alternative versions of songs with. Oh, actually, I really preferred that line that he had in the first version of uh, Idiot Wind. It's a shame he took that out, you know, and all that, all that stuff, uh, you know, boy. But anyway, thank you. I'm glad you like it. No, I really, I really do. When you write lyrics, you know, I, I, I've you know, read other interviews where it said, uh, you know, that in, in some ways, it's kind of like a stream of consciousness thing. It, it, it just kind of comes to you. You write it down and... 40 years after doing it, do you still do it that way? Or do you, are you writing songs where the meaning is something for the listener to discover? Or is there more behind that? I think the meaning is there for me to discover, really. <laughs> simply, I simply hook up to where the words are coming from. You know, they could be transmitted from um, Alpha Centauri. You know, I don't know what they... they I'm basically receiving them. I guess one part of me is receiving them from another part of me. Sometimes, you know, I'll write them down and I think, well, I can do better than that, you know. Mm. I've probably got default ways of 
filling a word out, you know, filling a line. So I, well, this morning I was writing one and the train was coming in at platform three, which was obviously there because of a rhyme. And then I think I sort of like, um, I changed it to never freeze or something that just because that made more sense. But, but actually <laughs> I, 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 I honestly can't remember how I wrote what my technique was 40 years ago or so, but I think it was much the same. You know, I was, I was filling up notebooks, um, most of which are gone now, but there's still quite a few sheets. You know, I used to write, I used to write on typewriters. <laughs> um, I remember typing out the lyrics to Kingdom of Love. I, and I don't know if I actually wrote the whole thing on a typewriter or had I written it first, you know, you have those early soft boys, I've still got the type scripts. <laughs> but um, I think you also, if, the, other, the other thing is you write the basic thing, I write the basic thing and then it's singing it a few times and you'll find uncomfortable sequences of words. You know, I'm going to change this to a with or out of or for or actually I'm going to take those two words out because it, it's like, let's have a little gap here. That's the sort of thing that I think, I think I'm actually getting better at that all the time. But it may be just that my memory is so addled that I think I'm doing it. Oh, look what I've just discovered. Um, it's an orange. Yes, dear. Here's a photo of you holding one yesterday. Oh, great. As a guy who's just admitted that you have a hard time making decisions, when you're writing a song, I would imagine that it must be torture for you at some point to say, well, you know, this works, this doesn't, this is right, this is not right. How much pressure do you put on yourself to make those kinds of decisions or does the decision making not really interfere with the way you write music um i think the one of it, it's easier if one happens after the other the hardest thing is if you're writing something down for the first time you know you're two you're two verses in two and a half verses and you feel like what you say determines where it goes next right which gives you a bit more responsibility do i want to take this song in a, that direction you know that's when it's harder if you simply write if i simply write down four verses and then i come back a, a month later and i go this is naff this is a good line you know that's easier it's mu it's so much easier to revise songs music I think probably books, probably pictures, paintings, you know, anything. You can go back a, a couple of months later and you time shows you what you need to do to to edit it. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the problem, and it probably applies to people writing a story as well, you know, okay, if I make that guy go to the post office, then maybe he's not going to meet that girl. And then we're not going to find about about what happened to her brother or, you know... <laughs> The whole, which is another reason I could never write a novel because the, the consequences would be too much. <laughs> and, and the other thing I don't understand is if characters are strong enough, then they have free will and they could just do what they wanted. They could walk out of your story. But novelists are, have that gift of synthesizing real characters and somehow making the novel. I, I don't know how they do it. You know, but, but I, that's why I write songs instead. When you collaborate with people, and you and you've done quite a lot of that during your career, you know, I, I I hear what you're saying about the way you you write music, but then I also know you've collaborated a lot with a, a guy like Andy Partridge, and the way he writes is 
pretty unique. How is is your process of that different from his? And do you feel like the two of you meld well together in the way that you've worked? Oddly, he's one of the few people I can actually write a song with. Hmm. Um, you know, we can sit down like Lennon and McCartney allegedly did, or Johnny Marr and um, Morrissey, you know, sort of eyeball to eyeball. I, I think Andy's got a, a very quick mind, as, as I think I have, you know, rapid breeder heads. And um, so we can we can think fast enough to go somewhere, you know. Yeah. Um, and we're both quite chatty, so it's not like one of us is sitting there kind of brooding and going, well, I don't know, hmm, you know. <laughs> we're all we're just gabbling away, um, like sort of two highly strung pensioners. And... But I think what writing with Andy is an exercise. I don't think I write anything with him. I, they don't feel that emotional. They feel more cerebral. They feel more like a an idea in the head. Not to say that there isn't a feeling that comes off the music, but I think it's just harder to do that. But we have we've done it when when we started a second lot, got a couple of demos down, and then. The pandemic struck, and then Andy was was doesn't didn't like vaccinations and stuff, so I really didn't want to go up there. And I'm not sure. I, I would. I hope. I hope we'll resume. We we're used to kind of having long gaps and sort of quick bursts. So, you know, the dream would be to finish a whole album, but you know, I, I mean, uh, hopefully in this lifetime. But you never know. <laughs> I hope you do, because I I really like Planet England a lot. See, so, yeah, I even even have it right here i love I, oh, I, yeah but yeah I, i've i've interviewed him before and and a couple of the guys from from xdc and they all talk about you know the the synesthesia that he has this, this ability to kind of have a confluence of uh, of senses kind of inform where he's going to go lyrically with with music or with the lyrics or whatever it may be when you write with a guy like that do, do you find that to be challenging to either you know tap into what he's doing or is it just like you say, I mean, it, it's easy to write with him, but it, I, I got to imagine it also poses some, some, some difficulty too, because it, it sounds like the way he writes, once he has something in his head, he's going for it. Yeah, possibly, and he may find me a bit tangential, and I might, he might be a bit, a bit more rooted than I am. But um, we're sort of fairly. T I mean, I don't think we could have done it, you know, thirty years ago. But I think as a couple of old fellas, no, we were definitely in our 50s when we first started doing stuff together, probably a mid 50s, you know. Yeah. So it, we've definitely come to it as as senior dudes. And um, and I think there's, you know, that's the nice thing of being with people of, of your own generation is really that they're just still there, still alive, you know, and you can look back on things that, other people have either read about or never knew, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's that, that, that thing, and you know, until you two go over the waterfall, you know, you're in parallel boats. So, but I don't know. Actually, funnily enough, even writing with Andy, I'm I'm kind of unaware of what's happening while we're doing it. There's a sort of state of grace that you seem to enter, or I seem to enter when I'm writing, where I I don't 
really know what I'm doing. And if I became self-conscious, I might just fall to earth. And <laughs> it's like my dreams when I'm flying. And then once I realize I'm flying, I just get lower and lower and lower. And in the end, I'm just swimming on the grass. And I sort of look around and say, I'm not really flying, am I? And people say, no, you're not. You're just swimming on the grass. <laughs> but to begin with, I was flying. You know, I feel like that's a self-consciousness dream. It's um, It's been five years since the last time you released a, an album, which is, I believe, the longest gap you've you've taken. Obviously, I don't believe you've had any pandemics in between records, but five years is a, is a pretty substantial period of time for you. Well, I was working on a collection of piano songs back home in Nashville. Piano is not my first instrument, and um, I didn't seem to be able to come to any sudden conclusions i just kept working on them i i played one or two of them versions of them live but they hadn't quite gelled and um and i was in no hurry to put out a, another record because i put out so many and i thought self-titled you know robin hitchcock was actually a pretty good record and at this stage bringing age into it once again every every record you put out might be your last so mm. i thought well if i don't get anything else out after robin hitchcock i think that's a pretty damn good bookend you know i felt it it was like an echo of underwater moonlight from whatever 35 years before 40 years before uh, and i was just working on this piano record and uh, i i still haven't finished it and then i uh, and then I began to, I went to Mexico and I had a, I went to Tulum and I went to the palace of Kulkulkan, AKA Quetzalcoatl, mm -hmm. the, you know, the feathery serpent God, um, the sort of snake with wings and he kind of, he seems like a flying fertility symbol, basically kind of, you know, and, uh, I had this, and I had a, I went to his, this old collection of stones which was still there you know very very low windows because and doors because people were much smaller then um probably all sorts of atrocities happened but it's still the building's still there and there's a quite a strong sense of the the divinity and then i went and i went and a massage in a tree house and they said what do you want and i said oh oh i'll have the feathery serpent god massage they said they are god that will be fifty dollars or whatever and um my back got a big workout and then i thought no more of it and then i was in a hotel in florida about three weeks later and suddenly like it was as if the the kind of alert signal in my brain you know you are now receiving pick up your notebook hitchcock you know <laughs> and uh, pick up your guitar hitchcock what have you written sing it you know there i had i had the song in like 10 minutes basically amazing yeah i probably spent another month or two pruning it and trying to write extra verses that weren't necessary and you know all that little those sort of quagmires you can find yourself in oh is this all i think i'll try writing another 10 verses just in case no <laughs> first three are good enough all right and um there i was and that first that the, I, that song feathery serpent god is is on the record and then the rest of them came through and the you know I was sort of locked down after a while, but I just kind of carried on. They were just, I was uncorked. I was like, like a chiropractic thing in the back, you know, there was yeah. like some kink had been rectified. <laughs> and, um, and I just, you know, the shuffle man turned up and, and um, 
the Raging Muse and uh, yeah I, I had a, all those songs were written in 2020 and um, and I'm still I'm still writing them and they seem to be okay I put them up on Patreon um, you know if when I, 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 they exist at least on a Patreon form now and if there's time and everything goes well I'll, I'll do another album since you asked <laughs> long story long <laughs> obviously when you when you write songs from 2020 there's probably a few that are you know being cooked you know right now when you're on the road are you like one of those guys that that has a hard time writing on the road or you just it just do it i have written a lot on the road and i quite like it the ideal circumstance is actually to find yourself in a hotel um you know you come into town the night before and you get up in the morning and the gig isn't till you sound checks at four so you've got all day to yourself in a hotel room with an infinite supply of coffee and <laughs> no big responsibilities you know no no one to see and you know all the the tendrils that are normally around you aren't really there I, but touring it is a bit i mean i toured a lot between 20 15 and 2019 and I didn't actually finish very many songs so uh, maybe too much of that is you know fragmented state of mind kind yeah. of thing so, um, maybe that's why I just keep going back to these piano songs which I'm I'm still working on you know with uh with shuffle mania you had a a good deal of help guys like you know Johnny Marr and Brendan Benson from the Tours and Sean Lennon and even a couple of your uh, your old bandmates from uh, the soft boys yeah which i think is really cool i mean that you're still working and and have a good relationship with those guys oh definitely and and the fact that everybody was at lockdown meant that everybody was available so i i bought my little four and a half track machine and you know i recorded the vocals and guitars and then i just sent them off to people and brendan uh brendan benson sent them back with a complete band in the background he'd done bass drums lead guitar brendan's everything on the shuffle man the only thing on the shuffle man is the lead vocal and the that wobbly rhythm guitar wow there's two tracks of me and two tracks of my electric and brendan is all those got the picture and all that you know <laughs> brendan and the bensons um and then he did uh, he's on another track as well and he actually said, oh, man, I want, to, I want to make it sound like the soft boys. So I thought, oh, OK. So I got in touch with Kimberly Rue and um, and I sent him a couple of tracks and he did guitar on it. Morris Windsor's on One Day. Johnny Marr, I sent him a track and he sent I, I just sent him a phone recording and he sent he sent the whole thing back covered in drums and, you know, all the stems. So I then had to re-record my heart but it's fine because he probably put it in time which i probably wasn't so <laughs> johnny's the band on that and then sean lennon is on one day he played drums he played drums and vocoder and lots of tropical noises and a bit of bass but then my guitar turned out to be not very good so we had to get someone to so what sean was playing to is no longer there <laughs> but but what I then played to, and Charlie on the piano played to, is Sean. So Sean did a very good job of playing along to a rather wobbly 
guitar track. I mean, they all did because my sense of time isn't great and I'm not using a click track. But, mm. you know, people are all good. They, they, and they were all there because they had nowhere else to go. <laughs> so <laughs> they, were, they were captive. It was a very, I, I, it, you know, it's the first time I've ever made a record without going into the studio. We, we did one. Emma and I went into Abbey Road and we did a, a day each of uh, vocals. And um, there's a song called Socrates in midair that you'll hear. And that's done at Abbey Road. I've actually heard a couple of things that you, have, uh, you and Emma have done. And it's really beautiful stuff. She she's got a, just a beautiful voice. She has very much that, and that kind of really raises my game. She came in after I'd done the basic thing, and then listened to my vocals and made me redo about half of them, um, just so they were in tune. <laughs> and um, you know, because some of my records, I just you know, I've been too engulfed in the headphones, or nobody's had the heart to tell me. Uh, actually Hitchcock you're a bit off you know so this record has actually although it started as a series of home recordings this record has actually been through quite a lot of ringers you know it's been quality control and M is fantastic to sing with you know we're both lead vocalists so it's not like she's in there as the backup singer yeah um, and we are very very slowly working on a collection of sort of duets of which I think will be good fun. And we have our show on this month. It's on Saturdays, but usually it's Wednesdays. Uh, you can find us on, on um, Mandolin Live, live from Tubby's house. <laughs> that's what we, uh, Tubby is one of our cats. Um, that's what we one of, we started doing when lockdown happened. So Emma is really, in so many ways, the brains of of this whole organization <laughs> but thank goodness your wife is telling you exactly what you need to do because i'm i'm the very i'm the very same way em's had a lot more ex she just understands a lot of you know the mondo laptop and um and the internet <laughs> world and stuff you know. so the new album like i said you had a, a lot of help with it and it's it's kind of you know morphed it's it's way through I know you're touring Europe for a while and then you come back to the States for like a, a real brief period of time. Are you looking to do something in 2023 or is, are you going to take a break after that? Um, we're definitely going to, I'm going to do some U S dates in 2023, but I'm not sure which end it might mm. now be um, the second end really because uh, it's just, it's a very crowded field at the moment. You know, people, there are still, because my listeners tend to be on the liberal side um, and, you know, COVID aware and everything like that. A lot of people were either wearing masks or just not wanting to come. So um, last time I played in LA, you know, it was hardly anybody turned up. It was, it was just kind of like, people are very, understandably, you know, given that we were in the middle of a, two years ago, we were in the middle of a fatal pandemic which is sort of you know if you step outside your house you might die unless you happen to be a trumpista you know in which case <laughs> different. i think now and i can only speak how things are in the northeast i think people are so anxious and grateful to be out that they are showing up in in pretty big numbers maybe not to the extent really? that they used to be but yeah i'm finding when i go out you can easily get a couple thousand people out at an event or a festival or or oh, whatever really? yeah so things, I think, uh, things are kind of turning a little bit. 
Well, that's good. I mean, I, I did go out last fall, uh, which, you know, both here and in the States, and that was really extraordinary to even be stopping at gas stations and going into hotels and um, all these things, you know, having audiences masked, you know, being in a darkened room full of masked people was pretty weird, but then <laughs> there they were. Um, I, but I don't know. I, I, so, the, sorry, this, I will... I should be out. I'll be out either in the spring or, um, or definitely the fall next yeah. year. And there'll be. Um, but I've just been in. I've just been in Massachusetts. Oh, Emma and I. Well, Emma, Emma's touring a bit now as well. So we did some. I am either Emma's band or half of it at the moment. So um, <laughs> yeah, that's why we were in Massachusetts. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. That would explain it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, in one form or other, we're we're always everywhere. We try to be. Well, Robin, it's it's a it's a real pleasure to talk to you. Best of luck with the record. I'm I'm, I'm really looking Thanks. forward to hearing the rest of it. Um, it's I think it's pretty good. It you know it's it's got a variety of moods and colours. It's not all rocking stuff, you know. Yeah. But uh, but I but it, I, it's not really it's it's not too down. It's a, it's a reasonably art record. I think it keeps people company and leaves them in the, the right way up i hope so <laughs> uh, say hi to jim neal i will and come and see us next time we're in your area um just blip us and we'll put you on the door sounds good and, um, and have fun with it i am going to uh i don't know what i'm going to do i'm going to just if you escape i'll just turn the machine off or something all right sounds good thank you very much robin appreciate right. the time You're very welcome see you next year if not before the name of the new album by Robin Hitchcock is called Shuffle Mania. It's out on October 21st. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, like it, share it, review it, tell all your friends about it. You can reach me at backsatrock102.com. I'd love to know what you think. And thanks again for listening to Baxi's Musical Podcast.